0: Hello and welcome to the Record Rangers podcast. With me, Johnny McFarlane. I'm joined by, as ever, by my partner in crime here on the podcast, Mr. Scott McDammit. Welcome, Scott. Hello, Johnny. How are you doing? Good. 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 Uh, obviously, um, looking forward to the day where I get some sunlight uh, in my life. <laughs> uh, it's getting getting difficult to get yourself up in the morning through this darkness and misery that is. Uh, Never-ending, Scott. But look, at the end of the day, yep. we're here to bring we're here to bring some enjoyment and, and light to people's lives. So we should probably exactly. just get on with it rather than me being a a grim, miserable, money git. <laughs> so we're going to start by uh, touching on the Motherwell result from the weekend. Rangers obviously drawing one-one. Only the third game this season. That the Ibrox Club haven't actually been able to uh, take home all three points from a match in the Scottish Premiership. So there's a number of issues to go in there. And then we'll be looking at some of the our listeners' questions. Um, so first of all, Scott, looking at that game, I, I remember um, the discussions that we had following Rangers draw against um, Livingston at the start of the season. And yep. for me, this was a match that was highly reminiscent of that one. With the caveat slightly, I suppose, that I think Motherwell were slightly better than Livingston were in the first half, offered more of a threat. But but for me, watching that game and analysing that game, I don't think you should have too many concerns as a Rangers fan about the performance. Look, in the second half, Rangers were utterly dominant. I mean, Motherwell, as a force, were, were non-existent. They were extremely deep. They defended very, very, very well. I thought Declan Gallagher, in particular, Stood out to me, and as a as a terrific siege defender at this level. Yeah. Um. But in terms of what Rangers were producing, Scott, I think if you put 41 crosses into the box <laughs> in any given game, you're probably likely to get the two goals you need. So I felt watching it back, it was one of those games. It's a bit of an anomaly, slightly like the Livingston match. What did you make of it?
1: Yeah, I would partly agree with that. I think. The worry will be, and Stephen Gerrard outlined it after the game, what was the the slow start. I mean, he, he said himself, quite rightly, that they only turned up for, for 45 minutes. And this the start did surprise me, Johnny, just because you, know, you try to put yourselves in the minds of the Rangers players, you know, and you think that Celtic had already dropped points again on the Saturday. You know, it was another chance, another opportunity to go and put even more daylight uh, between the two clubs at the top of the league, you know, it was a real opportunity for Rangers to go and you know, stretch that lead even further, um, and all but put the I think all but put the tin lid on the, the title. If I'm honest, I thought after being at Celtic's game myself on Saturday, seeing the kind of disarray that they're in at the moment, um, I thought if Rangers that had beat Motherwell, no, that really would be it in terms of the the title race. So, I expected Rangers to take him flying out the blocks, and it just didn't happen. Um, I agree with Stephen Gerrard. I thought they were they were passive, they were slow, too many touches, um, kind of setting, no, one, one setting balls, they were second to everything. The goal itself was a prime example. I mean, uh, the manager spoke about that, about being passive in key areas. I mean, when you look at the goal, Motherwell scored, I mean, it was like three or four passes played on the corner of Rangers' box with very little pressure for any Rangers player. I mean, I think it was Goldson, Tavernier and Kamara who, listen, we've heaped praise on them uh, throughout this season already. But, I mean, none of them get anywhere close to being touched tight with any Motherwell player at any point in the build-up to that goal. Um, And then I think Baligan, questions about Baligan in in the middle in terms of his marking of... uh, of Devante Cole So And I think that uh, Listen Rangers have been Incredible defensively This season We've spoke about it often enough But the goals that they have conceded at You'll correct me if I'm wrong It, it feels like A lot of them have been quite similar They're you know, Coming through those yep. Those wide areas With, with low, low, crosses low crosses Across the, across the box um, I think they've lost a few Like that So that'll be you know, those wee things will be a worry for for Stephen Gerrard. Obviously, you you, know, you would question why when you're going for a a title and you've got the lead and you're you're so close to you know, achieving that ultimate goal, especially when your rivals drop points 24 hours earlier. You'd expect them to come out all guns
0: blazing. That Listen, Scott, happen. let's drill in a bit more detail on that goal. Yeah. I, I thought it was a terrific move by Motherwell. First and it foremost, was, yeah. really yeah. slick attacking football. But I'd be interested to get your take on Conor Goldson's positioning because I felt he got dragged out by Tony Watt's move. And listen, Tavernier was already out there and I think could have got closer to Tony Watt. I didn't think Conor Goldson had to move that far out and that left, I think, Leon Balligan a little exposed in the middle in terms of the numbers that were in there. Is that a fair point, or am I I'm being hypercritical? No, I,
1: I think it's fair. I, I don't think you see. I don't think you see Goldson often out in those areas, having to deal with with, with attacking moves across. He's no, he's always his positional sense is always really good, and he's always yeah. he always seems to be central um, to clear any danger. But you're right, he, he gets dragged into a situation um, where there are already two Rangers players out there. I think Kamara could do better to get back. I think Tavernier. No defensive work generally. Um, in those couple of moments, could have been better. But you're right, Golson does get dragged to the get dragged to the ball, and Tony Watt gets in gets in far too easy. Um, in terms of in the middle, I mean Balligan, I mean has got his eye on Devante Cole right for the throw-in the where the move starts. He watches him. He watches him. He knows where he is. He knows where he is. And then at the key moment, he loses him in the box. And I do think. No, Balligan Balligan gets gets picked for his I think for his pace and for his ability on the ball, which is completely understandable in a lot of games. But I do think Helander has the the attributes you needs going to places like Motherwell and other you no know, other stadiums in Scotland where you're going to need to at times defend crosses coming into the box and also was talking about positional sense. I mean, I think arguably as much as Goldson's been excellent this season, I think arguably the three centre-backs, Hilander's positional sense is the best of them all. Um,
0: well, that, that's interesting, Scott, because Scott Cameron, who is a regular uh, in terms of asking questions on the pod, is asking, what is the best pairing in the centre defence? I mean, I mean, for me, Steven Gerrard likes to go down the route of horses for courses. If he feels yeah. like there's a pace issue against a team, he'll go with Balogun. I thought it was Definitely. interesting that he went with Balogun against Celtic there, because I think, <laughs> I think he thought... If we are pushing up on Celtic, if we are pushing forward, they can catch us on the counter because they've got quick players. Yeah. But then Balogun has played a lot recently and Hellander's not really been in the it side had, that nah, often. But
1: Balligan, no, he has. done well and he's probably surprised a few people with his performance. He's, he's probably surprised me, if I'm honest, just how good he's been. But I think you know you're totally right. It is horses for courses. Goldson always plays. We've spoken about it before. He's the communicator. He's the most vocal out of the whole back back four, yeah, even more so than than Tavernier, as captain. He's always going to play. I think home games, especially where, where Rangers are obviously going to dominate, no, especially against teams in the bottom six, the Scottish Premiership, so he'll always play Valigan because you you look at Hollander in those games and think. No, there's no real point. You're going to the only trouble you're going to get is from, uh, from quick counter attacks, and even they're quite rare at Ibrooks. So you want Balligan in there for his pace. I think he's also good at coming out with the ball, Balligan, and he can pick a pass. He can drive into midfield. Um, no, with that, with that pace. So I think he's going to play in those games. But I think away from home against difficult opposition, top six opposition, certainly the European games, Hillander started uh, started a lot of big games, so that's why I was slightly surprised that um, Balligan was in again at first part, but in saying that, the previous week at, at Petaudry, he played really well, so maybe it would have been harsh for him to be, to be left out, no, listen, he didn't play badly, I just think, his positional sense could have been better. He's got one guy to mark in the box, and he, he loses him on his on his blind side. Um, we've spoken about the, how the goal came about, and there were there were mistakes out in the the wide area, but ultimately Cole was his man, and and he loses him. It's a good ball for Tony. What I'm not trying to take it away from Motherwell's goal, um, but it was a sore goal for Rangers to lose, and Gerald would have been disappointed. And I say it all to me, it all manifested itself for the start. No, you're watching the first ten, fifteen minutes, you're thinking, Rangers aren't at it here. No, they're second setting to everything. Mother will look keen. They were no they were on the front foot at home. I think when you get off to a poor starting games, it can cause you real real problems. Um and as much as Rangers did react to the goal and, and were better, it wasn't really until the start of the second half when they applied serious serious pressure to get the, the, the equaliser.
0: Just on the goal, Scott. I suppose the the big bit of evidence that, that that proves there was something slightly amiss was the fact that it wasn't just Devante Cole that was there, because uh, Campbell would have slotted the ball home as well yeah. if, if, if Cole hadn't been there. So clearly it was an overload and something had gone wrong somewhere. Um, yeah. But as you say, Scott, you know Rangers did respond. And it was a slow start, but they did respond. I've got a question here from uh, G1 on Twitter. He's saying, should we be nervous after Sunday's result? I I don't think so, Scott, because I see parallels between this and the Livingston game. Um, For me, it's about performance a lot of the time for Rangers as well as result. If the performance is there, I, I think that the results will come over the course of the season. And for me, the amount of Dominance they had in terms of the ball, in terms of good areas, in terms of crosses into the box. I think 99 times out of 100 they win that match. I'd be more concerned if it was one of those where we're saying 50% of the time you you win that match. That was the the case under Graham Murphy, under Pedro Cusina, but but this felt like a a dominant performance to me.
1: Yeah, it it sounds like an obvious answer, Johnny, but but the answer to that question is um, it depends on the next game. It only becomes a worry if those kind of performances go from one to two to three and there are more drop points, that's when it starts to become a concern. And certainly, Rangers Forum this season, you know, when you rhyme off the numbers, then you shouldn't be concerned because, as you say, they've only dropped points in three games. They're still unbeaten. Their defensive record is outstanding. Um, of course, there must be fans out there whenever Rangers drop points. And probably even more so when they've got this big lead at the top of the table that will worry about this team again getting over the line in a competition, whether it be a cup competition or, or especially uh, a league title. And that's just, that's because of you know, recent history. Um, that's the obstacle that this this team has to um, has to get over. There's still a bit to go. I personally, as I've said before on here, I think the lead is now so big that Rangers... No, we'll, we'll definitely go on and go on and win the title. But no, if you're if you're a Rangers fan and you've been, no, you, you look at what this club's been through in the last the last decade or more. You look at what this team has gone through in the last the last couple of years. Of course, whenever you drop points or whenever there's a, a forty-five minutes like that where there doesn't seem to be that hunger, the desire, you know, it ends up in another another draw. Um of course you're going to be you're going to be concerned, but no, I think if you take the game in isolation, just forty one crosses, they were completely dominant in the second half. I was convinced watching the game they were going to get the second goal. Um yeah. it could have come about. Jermaine Defoe obviously is a, you know, is a a really good chance at the end where he takes a brilliant touch. Um I actually thought they should have had Defoe on earlier. They were going to put him on ten minutes previously for Morelos, but then Rangers scored and they held that substitution back by by ten minutes. I I felt even after Rangers scored, it was still the time to get the four on to give him that twenty minutes. He ended up coming on. with only like nine, 10 minutes left, and he did brilliantly to carve out that that chance near the end. Um, and was unlucky just with his, in terms of the accuracy putting it past the past the keeper. But no, I thought they were going to go and win the game. The amount of ch- uh, chances and crosses they put in. Would have certainly merited that, but it's difficult to take the point away from Motherwell, given given how well they did in the
0: in the first half. Yeah, Motherwell defended really terrifically there, and there's no doubt about that. And they certainly what, limited Rangers.
1: What what I would say, Johnny, interesting to hear your take on it. I mean, during the game, when Rangers are putting in that many crosses, obviously that was Motherwell's ploy to let them cross for wide. I mean, it's so unusual this season for a team to adopt that policy, given Rangers quality from wide with Tavernier and Barisic. But watching it, I'm thinking in the second half, they need to try and mix it up a bit. It was almost like it was crossing constant, get the ball to Barisic, get the ball to Tavernier, cross, cross, cross. And Motherwell, as you say, were defending brilliantly. Now, there are two arguments I would argue, certainly during the game, you need to mix it up. Motherwell defending so well that the crossing from wide isn't working. It needs a bit of individuality. It needs a bit of invention. It needs somebody to take the game by the scruff of the neck, go past their player, create something on their own. It needs a bit of invention for a set piece, not a corner, a free kick, that we're just getting crossed into the same area all the time. But I suppose the flip side of that argument is, of what Steven Gerrard and the coaching team would say is, well, it worked. We kept at it, kept at it. 41 crosses, and eventually we get our goal for a goal. Not a really good goal for a cross from from wide. Um, so I suppose they would argue, well, it worked. We stuck to the game plan, and we we, we eventually get a goal. And we should have got. No, well, we should have got even more. But I don't know what you think. But I just felt during the game, as much as they were they were working the ball into really good areas. On this occasion, and I'm not saying it's the wrong way to go generally, I'm just saying on, on that day, the crossing w- wasn't working because Motherwell were dealing with it so well.
0: I think in some ways, though, they were forced into it, Scott, because of the, the quality of Motherwell's pitch. I, I, right. I know, listen, Motherwell's pitch is normally absolutely terrific, but yeah. like every pitch in Scotland, uh, it was looking in a bit of a state after the weather we've had. And I think Gerard has actually decided on the basis of the pitch we need to be a bit more direct here. And yeah. listen, Yanis Haji is the most technical player, I think, in that Rangers team. Maybe, yeah. maybe Joe Aribo, but I, I would say Hadji just, just, just yeah. probably uh, edges it. And Haji was poor. I mean, he was off in 55 minutes, didn't contribute much. And he's the guy that you would be expecting to get on the ball, make things happen, create through the middle. But if yeah. that's not working, then you go down the side, you put balls into the box. And listen, Morelos is decent in the air. He's shown yeah. that time and time again. And they actually even went and did what you would expect them to do, which is put on Itton, who's a bit more of a target man, yeah. who's a big lad, who can get on the end of things and push him almost up with Morelos in a two, so there's more bodies to hit in terms yeah. of uh, crosses in the box. But
1: No, listen, I, I, I agree with that. Honestly, I mean, my, my own... I would always want teams to to get the ball wide and cross into the box. I mean that's that's the way I would want my teams to to play. So I mean I'm not I'm no criticising. I just thought during the game it, it was just it was so incessant in terms of the crosses. It was like they're gonna need to try something different here because as time was going on and they weren't getting any joy, I thought it was just crying out for something. But listen, as I say you're right, they they got it and on, which was a good move. He does give you more aerial uh, presence in the box. And ultimately, as I say, it worked. And they they could and probably should have won it in in the end up.
0: Here's a question from Scott Cameron that takes us slightly away from the match. But it's an interesting one, actually. He's talking about Ryan Jack and his struggles with injury of late. Of course, we were expecting him to be back from his problems a lot sooner than he has been. And he's saying, will Jack have to curtail his Scotland career after the Euros due to persistent injury issues that Gerard says needs managed?
1: Um, interesting. I mean, ultimately that will be up to to Ryan Jack. I mean, I know one thing. He's he was part of the Scotland squad in Serbia who who made history, obviously, by qualifying for these Euros. So, make no mistake, Ryan Jack will be desperate to be part of a, a major tournament this summer. He, he would have loved to have went into it. Um, no, there's no doubt he'd have loved to have went into it off the back of a really good, consistent, high-performance season with Rangers. Um, but that hasn't happened due to, due to injuries. And no one will be more upset about that than, than him. And now it is a real kind of balancing act between player and club in terms of Rangers want him back as soon as possible for a, you know, for a title running. I don't doubt Jack will want to want to get back and play his part as well. But he does have to think about the summer, and he wants he wants to get into the Euros fully fit, having played games and really, you no, know, really savour that moment of playing a major tournament. That doesn't come around too often. In terms of after that, you no, know, maybe he will sit down at this stage. his career if. No, he's getting persistent injuries of a, a similar nature that he feels, um, no, need particular attention or he, he, if he's going to need to tailor his training or, or or whatever, um, moving forward in his career. But as I say, that will be up to, to you no, know, between Ryan Jack and no doubt Stephen Gerrard and medical people at Rangers to make make that kind of decision. But it'll have been a really frustrating time for him because, as I say. He became, or he was becoming, a key player for Steve Clark in Scotland, crucial in those playoff games to get him to the Euros. So he'll be, listen, he'll be desperate to win a title with Rangers, of course he will. Um, and he'll have earned it given what he's given the club in the last the last few years. But he'll also be really, um, you know, really keen to go and, go and play in a, in a major tournament. And I, I would blame him for that.
0: Yeah, I understand why the question's being asked, but I think at 28, he's still a bit too young to be having those kind of decisions, especially when, at 28, he's about to be a major part of a team that's going to the Euros for the first time in over two decades. And on top of that, the World Cup's coming up next with a group that is very achievable for Scotland, and he could be going there in the prime of his career, age 30, as an experienced player. Listen, Jack, you look at his skill set, his ability to hold on to the ball, Puts him ahead, I think, of almost every other midfielder in Scotland. Maybe Callum McGregor's the other one. Yeah. Now, he's also got defensive nous, and he's also got an engine. And I think those three together, that shows you, for me, why Steve Clark's putting him in there. Yeah. And I think he, a lot of people have been surprised by how big a factor Ryan Jack has been in that Scotland midfield under Clark. Yeah. But he's but got, it, it doesn't but he's surprise got, me.
1: But he's got to get himself right first, Johnny. There's no point... Yeah. Trying to cut corners and try to get back too quick. You no, know, thinking about Rangers' title running. or thinking about the Euros. Ultimately, his number one priority at the moment has to be, you no, know, whatever the nature of these injuries. You no, know, he has to get back to a hundred percent, knowing that he can get into it. Because you no, know, a Ryan Jack at seventy-eight percent is is no use to to Rangers or Scotland. They need them at a hundred percent. No, the peaky's powers, as you see, I think when he is in that zone. Um, you know, he is a first pick for Rangers and Scotland, especially for the national team, um, because of the qualities that you've you've spoken about. I think Steve Clark's a big a big fan, always has been. So you're right, it's all there for him, uh, for club and country. But ultimately, you no, know, there's no point in him coming back to then, you no know, three four weeks down the line, having to sit out another couple of weeks. You no, know, clearly that this latest problem he's had. It has been has been niggly and awkward and it's taken longer than than expected um and as i say the number one priority for him and for rangers is just to take as long as it needs to get him back to back to his best and uh, no, that will
0: ultimately help rangers and scotland we're going to stick with the midfield for alfie's knee slides question he's asking is zungu a replacement for davis or kamara if so has he shown enough for us to extend his stay or should we look elsewhere? Now, I think he's talking about if Stephen Davis was, for example, to retire next season or if Glenn Kamara was to be sold, Scott. What do you make of Bongani Zungu, his performances so far, and whether he's done enough to merit being kept around for next season?
1: Interesting. I mean,
0: I think I've touched on this before. He hasn't shown a
1: great deal so far, if I'm being honest. I mean, he hasn't had too many opportunities the opportunities he has had, he's looked like a guy who's technically very good, has a very decent passing range. I think he's got, uh, I think he's got a bit of presence and a bit of stature in there. I think when he played away from home in the last Europa League game, uh, he showed that. That was one of his better performances so far. But I do think at times, in a couple of the Scottish games, he's looked like a guy that the pace, the pace of the game might take him by surprise. And it's difficult. Listen, it's difficult coming off the bench. No, it's difficult for a Scottish player coming off the bench who knows what this game's all about to get into the pace of a of a game with 20 minutes left. It's even diff- even more difficult for a guy like guy like Zungu. So he's going to have to get used to that. But where I would give, cut him a bit of slack is, you no, know, he came in pretty unfit. I think he had to self isolate when he came in. There was a lot of wrangling over the the move initially. I don't think he'd played a lot of football before coming to Rangers. I would like to see him get a full pre-season under his belt in the in the summer and then come back at the start of next season. I think then you would see the real Zungu. Um, what has surprised me slightly is that before he came in, everything I'd read, um, everything I'd heard about him, I thought he was going to be a more box-to-box number 8 midfielder who... No, on occasion could be the could be the sitter, could be the anchor in front of the defence. But I thought he'd other things in his locker. I don't really think we've seen that yet. It seems to be at the moment Stephen Gerrard thinks the only position he can play is is that number six sitting in front of the defence. I mean, even when he came on at Petodre a couple of weeks ago, which was only for the last ten minutes, Davis was moved into a kind of number eight position with Zungu getting hmm. in. That surprised me slightly, but again, Uh, is that doing to fitness? Is that doing to to
0: pre-season? For me, I think it could be about tactical instructions, because those wide midfield players have a lot to do in terms of covering the fullbacks. Yeah, They have a lot to learn, a lot to get used to, and a lot of phases of play that they have to really get in their heads in terms of if is <laughs> there, I need to be there. If Barisic is there, I need to be there. Because yeah. that's absolutely key to Rangers not constantly getting hit on the counter-attack. Now, I've said it before. Just think back to Mark Warburton, when he had yep. the same two kind of swash, ugh, swashbuckling fullbacks fullbacks pushed right up, and how often balls into the channels over the top would catch out Rangers centre halves. Now that yep. doesn't happen anymore because the intelligent defensive movements that have been drilled into Rangers over three years by Michael Beale and Stephen Gerrard in the training pitch. Yeah. So I, 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 I don't saying, know. I don't Zungu, know if you can bring Bongani Zungu into that and say, oh yeah, just just you know, just go and do that. Just go and... you know, that yeah. needs to be drilled in. I agree. That, that's what I'm saying. So,
1: so he, he, he does need a pre-season then, and mm. he needs he needs for it to be drilled in. But of course, if you're going to give him that pre-season, you're going to need to make a decision. On whether you're whether you're signing him permanently or not, and I suppose the question is, has he done enough to merit that that signing? Um, if Rangers are going to make the deal permanent. I'm not sure he has as mm. yet. But listen, maybe Rangers have decided. Maybe you no, know, the season go as a you know, as a long term you know, a long term signing. Maybe they are they always envisaged it between. January and the end of the season This was going to be his role No, they would use him sparingly It would only be as the uh, the deep line midfielder Because they need to get him to the summer Get his fitness up And as you say, drill that, that tactical element into him So that he's ready to go next season I mean, I don't think he's a bad footballer As I say, I've seen glimpses of his passing range And as I say, I think he gives Rangers a better presence and a bit of physicality in there that they maybe lack at times. Um, I'm going to put
0: my head on the chopping block, Scott, and say I think he's a good player. I, I really like the look of him. I think the crucial thing is that he can hold the ball, which is what Steven Gerrard likes, and he's physically strong. Yeah. So he's got the equipment there to be a really, really good player for Rangers. It's just about bedding them in properly. And we've yeah. seen it time and time again with Gerrard sign-ins from abroad. They need a bit of time not just to get used to the league, but to get used to the structure of the team. And I think if he gets that, he could very well go on to become a very good player for Rangers. But yeah. it's a big it's a big gamble because of the age he's at. And I think that he's not going to come cheap based no. on uh, a transfer fee that's going to have to be paid to Amia uh, should that, that move go through. But I just think he's shown in glimpses that, he, that he's a guy who can play football. Yeah. And um, I think... Based on what we've seen, it's a short amount of evidence, I know, but I think he'll be kept around. Yeah.
1: Now, it's going to be interesting. As I say, we don't know what will happen with Stephen Davis in the, the summer, whether he'll he'll sign on for another year. Obviously, Kamara, um, we've spoke, well, I've spoken about how the Rangers are looking to sell one of the assets. I think Kamara would come into the thinking because... I think he's replaceable and given that he'll be at Euros in the summer, it could be a real valuable asset for Rangers to move on, uh, you no, know, potentially to the to the Premier League or abroad. So, you no, know, it's a big decision on Zungu because if, if he is coming in to replace one of those you no, know, given their you no know, those two players' performances, especially this season. Um, he's going to need to hit the ground running next season if he comes in on a permanent sign. He's going to need to get up to speed with the with the Scottish game. And as I say, I don't think he'll get away with just being this you no know, sitting midfielder who you no know, wants to pass sideways and, and and backwards and keep things ticking over. I think he's going to add a, a bit. A, he's going to need to add a bit to his game, and I think he might have that. We've just not seen it yet.
0: Yeah, got a question here from Haining84. He's asking, how important is it that both Ryan Kent and Joe Arebo regain their form for the running? Scott, I think to be fair on Ryan Kent, he's actually been pretty good in the last three or four games. Um, not quite the force he was at the very start of the season, but I think he's shown that he's uh, back to a level where he's able to contribute game in, game out. Uh, I, th- I think you've been
1: kind to him as regards Sunday. I thought he was poor on Sunday. Um mm. I mean, I actually thought. I mean, you mentioned Hadji earlier on. I mean, I thought Hadji was actually doing okay on Sunday. I mean, Aribo with the, with the, with the one I'd have taken off first before. Yeah. Hadji, I didn't feel Aribo was contributing anything. We'll, we'll go on to him in a minute. But in terms of Kent, I thought he'd really turned the corners probably the wrong phrase. He's played well this season, but I thought at Petardry last week he it was looked, terrific. Yeah, he looked fresh and sharp again, and you no. Know, driving and field, going past players and getting shots off and stuff, I thought right, he's along with Morelos he's he's back. And that's why it was disappointing to see uh, a poor display for him on, on Sunday. Um I know the whole team were poor in the first half, but him especially I and mean, then nothing was really happening for him in the second half either. I know he's doing you know, the the kind of dirty side of the game tactically for Rangers uh, I know get that down to a tee, and I know Gerard is, is such a big fan of him. He likes to leave him on. Like he starts almost every game and he likes to leave him on for as long as possible. But, I mean, you know my feelings on you know my feelings on Brandon Barker but I was actually you know, watching it on Sunday thinking he's going to, need to get Barker on for Kent here just to to try and give Ranger something something a bit different and see if it see if it comes off for him. Um, it's
0: so difficult though when you're a ball carrier on a pitch like that, Scott. Yeah. I mean, I know. You could you know. be a Lionel Messi. It's difficult to carry the ball on that pitch because the ball's yeah, bobbling all over the place. So, it's difficult. so I, I think it's a it's a it's it's quite hard. I wasn't meaning to be too critical of Hadji earlier on if I was. I, yeah. I it was just kind of meaning that he didn't I don't I don't think he sparked the game to life the way he can. Yeah. Um and for me, Kent was a little bit like that, but I just I don't know how you can hold them to account on, on a pitch that is just completely anathema to the way he plays. It's yeah, a no, really difficult one. There's definitely but, uh, something in there. Aribo's wait. different, though, Johnny, because, yes. because Kent
1: has has really contributed this season. Um, I don't think Aribo has, has done enough. And I, I mentioned this a couple of weeks ago on here, that Aribo like frustrates the life out of me and it's no because I think he's a he's a bad player, it's it's the opposite. I, I think there is such a talented player who's got so many attributes, so many things in his locker and you just don't see it enough. I mean I, I think the when I spoke about it before, the point I was trying to make it was about him driving through midfield. He's one of the best ball carriers in terms of you no know, running, uh, you no know, traveling with the ball at, at pace and taking players out and you no know, attacking spaces. I just don't think I don't think Gerard and the Rangers fans are getting enough outage of Aribo at the moment. I think it will be frustrating the manager, certainly be frustrating fans watching it. I mean, as I say, when, when Hadji get took off on Sunday, I was trying to work out why it, it was Hadji as opposed to Aribo because I thought at least Hadji. No, it was showing a bit of a bit of desire. He was wanting to get on the ball. He was trying to make things happen, even if they weren't coming off for him. Aribo just seemed to be kinda of sauntering through the through the game, making very little impact. Um it, it, to be fair, he came alive a wee bit towards the end when Rangers were really pushing and he got himself into areas around the edge of the box and you know, played a couple of balls into into there if memory serves me right. But I think for the potential this guy's got and the belief that, that Gerard has in him, and you know the reason why he was signed, I think there's so much more that he could be could be given. and it's, it's up to the manager to try and try and get that out of him in this running.
0: Listen, I totally agree with you, Scott. There's just so much potential there because yeah. this is a guy who can who can actually mix it as well. He can yeah, tackle, he's, he's he gets everything. back, he's got a great engine. He's so skillful on the ball. He's got that sort of street football ability to get himself out of tight yep. spaces. But listen, here's the hard facts, mate. 22 appearances, four goals, two assists. Now, for a player of his abilities in intricate situations, yeah, should be two more. assists, it's got to be more than that, hasn't it? I mean, yeah. he's got the talent to do a lot better. But, but I think it's interesting because at the start of the season, and especially in the preseason, he looked absolutely incredible. He looked did. on top form. And that injury, I know it was an ankle injury, it really yep. seemed to knock him back. He's not quite been the same player since he's got back, has he? I, I agree with you. I was going to say that
1: at the start of the season, I thought, no, God, this, this is going to be a rebuild season. You're going to really see what this guy's made of no, and, and everything that he's got in his lockers. I say, no, goals, driving through midfield, tackling, winning possession back. As you say, no, he's quick feet um, to get himself out of tricky, tricky situations. He looked as if he had a real eye for a goal at the start of the season. I think I thought you were going to see more goals for, for midfield, playing in that number eight position, where, where I think is his best position, and I think it's exactly where, where Aribo wants to play himself. I don't think he, he wants to be you no know, out wide as one of the kind of wide attackers um, coming coming in field. I think he prefers to start start centrally. So, I mean, everything's there for him. But I, I agree with you. I think since the injury. It seems to have knocked him again. He was out for maybe a bit longer than expected, and we've not really seen it from him since he, since he's come back. Um, and as I say, I don't think it'll be a major concern for for the manager. But he will, I'd be amazed if Steven Gerrard isn't thinking the same as us that there's there's so much more to come from from Joe Aribo and and this in coming up would be the the perfect time for him to start producing it.
0: Okay, Scott, before we go, we've got a question from at DaveN84. He's asking, will Scott Wright join this month? And do we need any more additions? Now, it doesn't seem like Rangers are going to be doing a lot of business, but Stephen Gerrard has been pretty open and upfront about Scott Wright. But it seems that the priority is going to be getting Scott Wright for next year. Do you have any more information to add to that? Um, I, I
1: think it will get done this month, Johnny. I think it's uh, no, it's a difficult deal to do this month because there are different factors to it. From from what I believe, or from what I've heard, you know, I think a lot of people were talking about maybe Greg Stewart, Jordan Jones going to Aberdeen. I, I now don't think that will happen. Uh, I don't think the Greg Stewart thing will, will work. Um, I don't. Believe Jordan Jones was particularly wanting to go to Aberdeen. I, I think he would, if he's going anywhere, he would prefer to go to England. So that then leaves the the kind of Ross McCrory element to to this deal. Um, obviously Aberdeen are due to start paying for Ross McCrory at the at the end of this season. He's currently on loan at the minute for the first year of this this deal before signing a big contract there. I think something's going to need to be done with that. Now whether that could be Whatever Aberdeen are going to pay in the summer, Rangers could say, "Well, let's make it a hundred grand less." But we get Scott Wright just now, effectively for a hundred grand. He's you know six months left on his deal. Um, or does the Ross McCrory deal become permanent now, which means he can no he can go and play against well, he can go and play against Rangers um, between now and the end of the end of the season? That there's certainly work to be done on that deal, but I know. Definitely, obviously, both clubs, are certainly Rangers, are trying to get it done. Aberdeen are open to it if they can strike some sort of deal. So it might drag on a wee bit longer, but I I would expect Scott Wright to come in in January by by hook or by crook. And I think you're right. That could be the only business Rangers do um, in terms of incomings. I don't doubt one or two will probably go out. But we spoke about it last week, I think. In terms of Rangers trying to improve the squad, I think that's the only real area between middle and front. If they can improve on a couple of the fringe players like Stewart and Jones, Eden Barker, and get someone, you know, get an upgrade in, which I think Scott Wright would be, it might just give Rangers a wee spark, no, middle to front, just give them that wee bit extra. Um, he's obviously fit and playing at the moment, so he's ready to come in and hit the ground running whenever that deal it's done. Um, I think if Gerard could add right to the squad in January as well as getting one or two out, he will feel as if that's that's all they need
0: um, to get them over the line. Yeah, it's important as a manager you don't disrupt what is a hugely yeah. successful season already. You don't want to be going and throwing in two or three signings into the mix. Yeah, it's it's a dangerous thing as well as an exciting thing to do. So yeah. I, I mean, I always remember Scott, and this is me showing my age. Newcastle were storming the Premier League. I think they were something like 13 points clear of Manchester yeah. United, and to they went Aspria. out with a real, yeah, real show of force yeah. to sign Espria, who was one of the best strikers in the world, tearing up in Serie A for Parma, and he uh, completely sort of imbalanced that Newcastle side. Yeah. Whenever they played Espria, as good as he was, he became the individual up top rather than the the team. Estate, yeah. the team. Uh, working together which had been so successful for them so anyway it's it's going to be an interesting one to see how it pans out scott but unfortunately our time is out so we're going to call it a day here if anyone wants to continue the debate with us you can get us on twitter i'm at johnny r McFarlane. scott is at scott mcdermott eight if you like the podcast we know many of you do please go on to itunes and give us a five star review as this helps to get the podcast to as many listeners as possible until next time thanks for listening